You are listening to a podcast from The National. After a dismal end to 2018, markets this year seem to be getting to grips with what may best be described as interesting times. Investor confidence doesn't seem to have collapsed as some might have feared, but global issues such as the protracted US government shutdown, Washington's trade tussle with China alongside disappointing data from the world's second largest economy, have the ability to undermine the current buoyancy. Tie that in with the ongoing Brexit saga that can best be described as unpredictable, and chances are that there are many twists and turns to come. Closer to home, however, the UAE is providing a bright spot in what would otherwise seem to be a darkening global picture. This is the Business Extra podcast. My name's Chris Nelson, and this week I spoke with Tim Fox, Chief Economist and Head of Research at Emirates NBD, about how the current state of affairs might affect the global investment outlook. Uh, When Donald Trump uh, tweeted on New Year's Day, uh, Tim, that Americans should calm down and enjoy the ride, as you yourself said, uh, investors were probably uh, a little alarmed about what might happen uh, to them in 2019. But so far, it's not appeared to be uh, the disaster zone that some might have feared. I mean, there was a dip towards the end of last week, but uh, this week appears to be more positive. There There are... uh, you know, a, a, a number of positive factors in the U.S. Uh, U.S. jobs growth recovering. Um, you know, and an equity markets have soared on the back of uh, Fed uh, Chairman Jerome Powell's more cautious approach about monetary policy. Do you think investors in the U.S. Um, are uh, right to feel uh, their fears have been somewhat assuaged? I think uh, obviously markets were braced for quite a difficult start to the year in the wake of the losses that were seen in December. Mm-hmm. And so the, the improvement that you've seen in early January has to be viewed in that context that it came after a pretty horrible December. So, you know, slightly better than expected news on trade and perhaps on monetary policy as well. The messaging from the Fed gave rise to a rally, a relief rally. I think in market sentiment became better. Um, not necessarily because we, knew, you know, markets knew everything about that things were getting, going to get better, mm. but because you know the news was not as negative as it as they might have feared. Mm. So I think um, you know the, the relief rally is probably the best way of um, describing what we've seen. Mm-hmm. It's too early to talk about bull bull markets. Mm. Um, I think you have to see a lot more detail about the issues on which that rally has been based. Mm-hmm. And those are principally uh, optimism over trade, uh, which um, evolved last week, and to some extent optimism about the fact that the Fed isn't going to be raising interest rates maybe as quickly as had been mm-hmm. feared at the end mm-hmm. of last year. Mm-hmm. Do you think, uh, particularly regarding the Fed, uh, the, the Fed um, policy, um, you know, the... the could there be a situation where, you know, they might be asking how long is it going to be before improving sentiment causes the Fed to start talking up interest rates again? You know, then, then as you said yourself, investors will surely begin to enjoy the ride. I mean, to what extent do you think um, that that fear is, well, not fear necessarily, but that concern might be built into to investor sentiment at present? No, it's a, it's a relevant point. I think it's a, almost a double-edged sword that, you know, if you're if you're basing your policy on the back of where what financial markets are doing, markets will always get ahead of you and make your policy start to look a little bit um, questionable and bring about maybe a change which is not desirable. So, uh, yeah, I think um, you know if you're just 
presuming that uh, improving sentiment um, is based on interest rate messages, then if that sentiment lasts for any length of time, the message on policy rates may change as well, yeah. and um, that will you know, bring things back to earth with a bang yeah. at some point. Um, we're not at that point just yet. And fortunately, from a point of view maybe of, of um, U.S. Uh, investors, they, you know, they don't have a lot of new data to look at because mm. the, um, the, uh, the government is shut down. Yeah. Uh, there's a partial shutdown, and that means that we don't really have visibility on what's going on in the economy and may not have that fully for a few more weeks. Yeah. So there is a bit more time being bought, I think, by the, the nature of the virtue of that shutdown. Um, it'll take longer to ascertain what the trends in the economy are at the start of the year than it ordinarily would. Mm -hmm. And that gives a little bit more time, perhaps, for this, uh, this little bit of a rally to, um, to develop. Mm -hmm. And, of course, alongside the, uh, what is now the longest uh, uh, shutdown of the, uh, the partial shutdown of the government um, in U.S. history, of course, there are the, uh, the ongoing U.S.-China um, talks. Um, the details of the full details are not uh, are not yet uh, available, really. But um, the U.S. says they'll decide on the next steps after the official report has been discussed back in Washington. But um, how, how uh, from a U.S. investor's point of view, looking at um, possibly uh, investing at home rather than overseas, how 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 important is um, a positive outcome for the U.S. or a perceived positive outcome for the U.S. in those talks uh, with regards to how uh, confident um, U.S. investors will feel at home? Yeah, I think that distinction is a good one, you know, perceived or otherwise. I mean, I think um, part, large parts of the U.S. economy and investors and, and, and basic sort of industries will be interested in the outcome in order that they can perhaps move forward uh, without the threat of um, tariffs hanging over them, thinking particularly about the agriculture sectors mm -hmm. and also uh, in relation to things like steel and, and, and manufacturing. So I think it matters that there is a freer trade environment and the talks, if they achieve that and bring about a more, um, uh, you know, less uh, controlling sort of um, environment, mm -hmm. uh, that would be a positive. I think the focus, though, is also on what the um, you know, the perception of what might be good news for America mm -hmm. through the prism of politics. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the motivation from a, from a White House point of view is probably to get a win uh, all, 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 almost whatever that is defined as. So mm -hmm. you know, I think uh, the United States is looking, or Trump, the Trump presidency is looking for um, to some extent, a win on trade to compensate for um, deficiencies on domestic, some of the mm -hmm. domestic policies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you've seen, obviously, the, um, the, the, you know, the shutdown itself is over uh, the issues about the building a border wall yeah. in the south. And so, to some extent, and that's creating a lot of un unpopularity for the, uh, the, the Trump White House. Mm -hmm. So, I think success on that basis is judged by a different set of uh, measures. You know, I think they, they probably are looking for some way to climb down in order that they can say that they are winning mm. on trade and that can be conflated with, uh, you know, what's going on on the domestic side of the, of, uh, the political picture as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and talking to China, of course, um, it, it's not, uh, not without its own... Um, Interesting situations, shall we say? Uh, you know, it had a, a terrible uh, fourth quarter for 
for uh, I think it was industrial output and economic uh, growth is is forecast to be uh, slower. Although to a certain extent, of course, I, I think it's understood that, that Beijing kind of says, you know, the government, that, sorry, the economy will grow at 6.5% this year, and lo and behold, the economy will grow at 6.5%. So to a certain extent, I guess, you, you take these uh, these machinations with a pinch of salt. But for, but moves such as um, uh, as Beijing, um, you know, insistence that it will keep lowering taxes, especially for small businesses in the manufacturing sector uh, over the... Um, uh, over the over the over this year, um, will that do you think make China? Uh, uh, plus, there was I think this week um, the institutional investors uh, program quota was increased from 150 billion to 300 billion uh, in a, in a bid to to attract more foreign uh, direct investment. Do, do you think um, that that uh, these moves make China a, a significantly more um, attractive uh, destination for overseas investments, or, or do you think that, that it's not really dealing with uh, major issues? I think it's early days on that. I think um, they they are addressing um, you know local stimulus through a variety of means. The tax fiscal route mm-hmm. is one of them. Monetary policy is another. They um, lowered reserve requirements mm-hmm. for the banks uh, last week. So I think these reflect the seriousness with which they are facing um, the economic slowdown, domestic economic slowdown, exacerbated by uh, trade tariffs, which are making you know their export markets harder mm-hmm. uh, to compete in. So I think they, I think the Chinese approach is probably a, a more hard-headed reflection of the reality that tariffs are facing are opposing to the Chinese economy, which is a much more serious one than perhaps they are uh, to the U.S. economy at this point, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the Chinese economy is looking at a, you know, a significant downturn, um, even regardless of the, the trade issues, which are, are only going to make things worse. So mm-hmm. I think China is looking probably to do to reach some kind of um, agreement and probably will go down the down the road towards towards that. Um, it's a question of how quickly they'll move, and how uh, how public will be their concessions be. Will they be fast enough mm-hmm. for um, to 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 meet the sort of demands of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. uh, who will also be you know wanting to claim a victory mm-hmm. in these kind of mm-hmm. um, in these kind of negotiations? So, I think it's a much more genuine um, need from China's point of view to to to. Um, uh, to re- achieve some kind of outcome which will help to prop up growth yeah. at a time when they're already doing quite a lot to um, to support and yeah. promote growth. Yeah. From an investment point of view, um, I think it's still unclear whether that's China will be uh, attractive um, down the road, given that you know these kind of trade negotiations and question marks about uh, opening up markets and um, you know, developing. Mm. Uh, taking down barriers in relation to intellectual property, these um, these kind of issues will, um, you know, are, are long term in nature. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they're going to get uh, an immediate resolution, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that may keep um, investors a little bit cautious. Yeah, yeah. From the point of view of, of um, Chinese investors in China. Um, Last year, they they continued pulling back money from overseas. I mean, there was less than a third as many new deals in 2018 than there were in 2017 in North America and Europe. And uh, that's according to a report this week from uh, Baker McKenzie and uh, mm-hmm. Rhodium Group. Um, it it's actually it's, it works out uh, once various factors are, are, are tied in. Uh, Chinese companies um, 
invested eight billion less in the US at the end of 2018 than a year earlier. Um, do do you think that is a, a sign of a, a shift in in um, uh, attractiveness to Chinese investors of their home market, or do you think it's more in response to the fact that? Uh, they feel under pressure to to pull money home to deal with what is essentially a uh, you know a, a potentially major Chinese uh, economic situation. Probably a bit of both. I think um, I think the external environment is becoming more difficult for them, particularly in relation to the United States, and um, perhaps internally within China, mm. uh, there are greater needs from companies to shore up their. Uh, positions yeah. in the face of a slowdown in growth. Yeah, um, and by the same token in Europe, um, of course, the you know places like the UK and the Netherlands and Switzerland received less Chinese investment last year. Um, strangely, it seems smaller economies uh, to the east um, actually got, got a lot more deals um, from a lower base. Croatia saw an almost fourfold increase, Slovenia tenfold, um, deals in Hungary and Poland more than doubled. Aside from the obvious um, uh, UK situation uh, which we'll get to in a minute um what do you think wh- why do you think the east of europe has suddenly become uh, of, of more interest probably um th- their ability to um engage with both companies and also governments perhaps in eastern europe at a high level uh, who, who probably need investment and looking for investment and perhaps may not put up as much um, in much of a barrier mm-hmm. in terms of you know in, you know looking at the um, the source of that investment and looking inquiring too much about about what you know what the nature of it. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they're looking at, at countries which are perhaps l- less likely to question. Mm-hmm. The motivation behind some of this, right? Interesting, interesting. And of course, we can't uh, we we can't um, not mention the UK. Um, it's uh, tur- turbulent times seem to be rumbling on, rolling on there. With uh, it seems to be ever more uh, extreme highs and lows. Um, regarding uh, the outlook, sort of over. Let's say to let's assume that come March twenty ninth, uh, it hasn't been kicked down the road to uh, to May. Um, Let's let's imagine a couple of scenarios. Say, come March twenty ninth, uh, what what do you think investors will be hoping for? Um, a, a, a very smooth transition that will uh, be sort of more of a, you know, a, a pro pro Brexit uh, stance, or do you think um, they might see, given the fact that a, a very hard Brexit, or indeed leaving without any kind of deal at all, would potentially throw up, I guess, you know, a sort of scavenging uh, possibility to pick up, um, you know, morsels uh, that might become suddenly uh, distressed. How do you think, um, from a purely non, uh, if you like, emotional point of view, um, investors might be hoping uh, it will go outside UK investors? Well, from outside the UK, I would imagine that you know there's a lot of um, you mentioned scavenging sort of perspective. Uh, there's probably you know the, the exchange rate is the prism through which most people will be looking at. A lot of people will be looking at uh, the outcome of um, of Brexit and whether the pound will fall any further or whether it will actually appreciate from here. Mm-hmm. So it, it opportunity. Does... It does Sorry. seem to show the pound does seem to show some remarkable resilience. Um, it, it seems um, you know everybody. It seems says, "Oh, that's it. The pound's going to collapse," and then it doesn't. 
Um, yeah, I think that, I think um, I think obviously it's been weak for now some time since mm. you know 2016. Mm. So you're, we are starting to get used to uh, sterling at these kind of yeah. levels. Yeah. I think um, I think going forward, there seems to be a, a sense, a growing sense that there's a shift in in uh, expectation away from a no deal Brexit towards perhaps a a, a Brexit or no Brexit at all, in mm. fact. Mm-hmm. So that has given a little bit more confidence that, you know, actually the UK may, uh, to some extent, stay within the European Union. The, uh, to all intents and purposes, the, the, the Theresa May plan actually doesn't change an awful lot. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why investors from the, you know, the UK, perhaps, and, mm-hmm. and others are becoming a bit more confident, and mm-hmm. Sterling has started to rally. Yeah. Uh, but from an outsider point of view, you know, I think the question mark is whether you know how how much lower can sterling go? Yeah. Uh, will there be a, a chance to get it at cheaper levels? Yeah. Um, you know that those are the questions which probably are overhanging yeah. um, the the issue uh, for the next few months. Yeah, so it's um, probably keep, don't sort think, of keep your keep your powder dry for now, sort of thing. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a settlement for um, you know coming out of whatever is this decided this week. Mm. You're still going to have more question marks than answers, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And that will keep um, um, the speculation growing. And I think it probably is still too early to rule out the possibility that you could have a, a, a departure, a Brexit without any deal. Mm-hmm. Markets have, are ignoring that at the moment mm-hmm. and dismissing that. But I think it could come back onto the agenda again at some yeah. point. Yeah, that will be interesting. Um, finally, closer to home, of course, uh, in the UAE, one of the uh, bright very few bright economic outlooks, it seems, um, uh, for, the, for this year and the next few years. Uh, um, this week, the Nasdaq Dubai announced the launch of futures trading on the MSCI uh, UAE Equity Index, um, which is the latest expansion of the futures market. Uh, the exchange explained that the contracts are designed to appeal to international and regional investors um, seeking exposure to uh, the, these big companies that are in the index. There are 11 of them, I believe, such as DP World, EMR Properties. Um, and they're among the largest and most liquid in the UAE. Um, how how do you think um, in, uh, overseas investors will react to that? Do you think do you think it's part of an ongoing process of, if you like, um, clarification to draw uh, offered to to overseas investors who uh, perhaps will feel increasingly secure about uh, putting money in? And do you think do you think it will have the desired effect? I think inclusion in these kind of indices uh, does give um, reassurance to overseas investors in some respects. You know, we have the um, expected MSCI inclusion of Saudi Arabia Mm. later this year as well, which is expected to bring in passive flows relatively automatically. Uh, And then others will be occurring, which may bring, you know, flows which are, you know, voluntary as well. So I think um, you, you have the prospect of you know, both automatic sort of uh, flow of funds and also, um, the de- you know, as these steps take place and, and develop, then you also have the possibility of more confidence growing and bringing in more funds as well mm-hmm. as, as um, you know, the landscape becomes more mature. Um, so far, it's it's early to say this at the start of the year. It's only a few, you know, days mm-hmm. into the new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, markets here have... Um, you know, performed similar to overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are positive elements um, which are helping uh, sentiment, particularly in relation to oil prices, yeah. which are giving you know a bit more confidence in the region. Mm-hmm. And also from a point of view of interest rates, 
you know, the messaging from the U.S. is, is that rates aren't going to go up as fast. Yeah. That probably also shields uh, regional companies yeah. as well who uh, may be fearful of higher interest rates for a little bit longer. Yeah. And uh, from a point of view of, of issuance and debt, then also uh, benchmark, so long as benchmark yields globally stay low for longer, that also makes, um, a, you know, markets in this region more attractive mm. given their relatively high yields. So uh, effectively to, to sort of round it up, then uh, if you're an investor looking for a relatively calm harbour, perhaps here is, uh, is, is your best bet globally at the moment. I think with yields where they are and, and the, you know, the way that the global um, picture is shaping up uh, with interest rates staying low for a little bit longer, uh, that does present an opportunity yeah. and a, a possibility to look at this region favourably. Great. Um, that's, uh, that's very kind of you for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much, Tim Fox. Thank you. Many thanks to Tim Fox. My name's Chris Nelson, and that was the Business Extra podcast. Join us again next week. <laughs>